0: Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deepest within me, bless his holy name. Bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all his benefits. Who forgives every one of all your iniquities, who heals each of all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth, your necessity, and desire at your personal age with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles strong overcoming soaring I want to read that fifth one again who satisfies your mouth your necessity and desire at your personal age with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles strong overcoming soaring Father in the name of Jesus We yield to your word. We don't know it all. We don't know much in reality. But you know everything. Help us, Lord, to be good listeners tonight. And I pray that you would speak to us from this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. We've been focusing a lot as we study this passage, and this is like the fourth or fifth uh, session from from this passage. But we've been focusing a lot on that word bless, or what the Amplified renders it as affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord. And we've been talking a good bit about the power of praise, and last time we just had a time praising and (laughs) giving glory to God. And uh, of course, we were talking about some various instances in the Bible when people praise the Lord and the supernatural happen. We talked about Second Chronicles chapter 20 and Jehoshaphat putting the praisers out front. Uh, we talked about Isaiah 54 and how that the barren woman was encouraged to sing. And in the natural it didn't look like she had anything to sing about, but the, the principle of calling things which be not as though they were is put into action in praise and song. As a matter of fact, it's a good thing to note that the operation of faith is in many cases made even easier with song. Because what you do is you not only declare things and call things which be not as though they were, exercise your faith, make your confessions of faith, but you also open yourself for the manifestations of joy that Nehemiah 8 and 10 says is your strength. And so if your faith confessions seem a little dry, if you seem to be kind of laboring through them like you're walking through, you know, uh, some, some wet sand and it's difficult to get where you're trying to go, you might want to grease the pathway a little bit. You might want to grease the gears a little bit with, with not just rote words and phrases, but add the principle and add the uh, ingredient of song and worship. It's not about how beautiful our voice is. It's not about whether we are a, a musician or not. It's just about learning to open your mouth and praise the Lord. It's, it's, uh, it's important that we understand the release that comes in praise. Sometimes uh, you just need To lift up your hands. If that's something you have a problem with, then that's probably something you need to overcome. And can I give you a little hint? The Holy Spirit's going to aggravate you until you do. Because He loves you. If you have a problem, you know, with some other manifestations of worship, then you might just need to break through and get over it and do it. Maybe you need to dance before the Lord. You don't necessarily have to dance every service. You don't have to dance here necessarily, but dance somewhere. You know, you saw Glenn and me doing our little dance. Well, that looks funny. I'm sure if somebody was watching the video with no sound, they'd have thought that really looks a little strange. But you know what? We don't care. We didn't do it for you or anybody else. We did it for the Lord, before the Lord. And if you don't dance at home, it's kind of hypocritical to do it here. Oh, that went over big. But it's true. It's true nonetheless. And so praise is important. And it opens the door of your heart for joy to come out. Go to Galatians chapter 5 for a moment. And I'll, I'll look at this particular passage in the New King James. We like to make things as confusing for the computer person as possible. Sorry, Lynette. I didn't know I was going here, but anyway, I need to. Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look uh, at this listing of the fruit of the, of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse number um, 22. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first one? Love. What's the second one? Joy. Then he lists peace, long-suffering, kindness. I'm reading from New King James. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These nine things are a part of the spiritual nature you now have. You don't have to pray for any of these. You just have to let them out. You need to use your faith for them. You need to be obedient to the Holy Ghost as to how we let these out. But you don't have to say, Lord, help me be long-suffering. You have the fruit of long-suffering in you, and He will help you. Don't get me wrong. But the greatest way He helped you was by giving it to you. Amen? And what we have to do is renew our mind to what these things are and then just learn to put them into practice. And so the second one on the list is joy joy. And so a church without joy is a weak church. A believer who is not manifesting joy is a weak believer. You see, what's really sad is to have all these wonderful things inside and never let them manifest. It'd be no different than someone that had a million dollars in the bank and they were hungry for lack of food. And you know, there are people, I guess, over time at certain situations who have had things that legally should be theirs, but they didn't know about it yet. And so since they didn't know, it was basically the same as far as experience as if they didn't have it at all. And that's bad enough. But what's really bad is when you know it's there and you just don't tap into it. You just don't use it. And so with the area of joy, every believer already has it. Say this with me. I know that maybe sometimes you don't, some people, they just don't like to do that in church, you know, and they think preachers are just doing fillers or whatever. But I want you to say this and let it register on your spirit. Say this with me. I have joy already inside. It is part of the fruit of my spirit that's been born again. You see, it's in there. It's already in there. What we have to learn to do is let it out. How do you let out joy? By rejoicing. And of course, re, having to do with a repeat, uh, somebody has said that you can't rejoice until you've joiced. (laughs) Amen. So, in other words, you have to start. But the idea is you're never supposed to stop. You say, well, but, you know, you don't know my situation. No, and I'm not trying to be unkind about it, but, but you don't have a situation that you can't rejoice in God because He wants to fix that situation. You know, there's nothing that ever you will face that you cannot, in the face of that, rejoice for the goodness of God. As a matter of fact, that may be the only way you'll ever get free is to rejoice your way into freedom. You've got to praise your way, shout your way, maybe dance your way, sing your way, just praise your way into a place of victory. Joy is not an emotion, it's not an emotion. As a matter of fact, I, I, want to, um, I, I want you to go to Romans chapter 14 and verse 7. Again, this is from the New King James as well. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 7. Let me find it here myself. And this is something that the Lord's dealt with me about. I want to share with you. Hopefully it will help some of you tonight as well. Romans chapter 14... And verse number 17. I said 7, but it's 17. And here the Apostle Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness. And we know that's our state, our status. We have been made righteous. We've been made right before God. Justified or found not guilty. Just as if I'd never sinned. The righteousness of God in Christ, that's our legal status before God. So the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness. And notice the rest of the verse. And peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if you really want to uh, take an inventory of where you are in your spiritual life then take an inventory of how much peace and joy you have in God. Now look at chapter 15 and verse 13. Chapter 15 of Romans, verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all what? Joy and peace. Notice those two words. In 1417, peace is first, in joy. In 1513, joy is first, in peace. I don't think the order is, 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 you know, matters. They're both are there. We need them both. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? That means that anything you don't have joy and peace about, you're not really believing for. One of the ways you know that you're believing God for that bill to be paid and that financial need to be met is that you have both joy and peace about the situation. One of the ways you know that you are healed, no matter what the, uh, uh, the symptoms look like or what your body feels like or what the, the report says or anything else, if you have joy and you have peace, you're believing And oh, hallelujah, if you're believing, then nothing is impossible to him. Oh, glory, isn't that wonderful? Nothing is impossible to him that believes. And so this joy thing is not really just an option. This is really important. As a matter of fact, I want you now to go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47 because this verse has been speaking to me and uh, I believe it will speak to you as well. You know, that's kind of how preaching works. The Lord jumps on me, then I get to jump on you. Um, I'm just kidding. But, but uh, you know, the best preaching always comes from your heart. Um, it's not, you know, I, I don't spend all my time trying to build great sermons. I'm not a sermonizer. But I do want to deliver messages that the Holy Spirit can get through my heart and out of my mouth into your heart. Because those will bless you and change your life. All right. In in, uh, Deuteronomy 28. Now we know if you're familiar with the passage. That by this point we've gotten over into the curses. And all the curses that will come upon you and overtake you and so forth. If you don't diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and so on and so forth. Curses of course that we know we're redeemed from. Galatians 3.13 and 14. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. And we know according to Galatians three. 29, that we, as uh, if we're in Christ, if we belong to Christ, that we are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. And so that's one reason this passage is important to us because we have a direct link to these kinds of scriptures through Abraham, our father in the faith. And so he's saying to these people that, uh, for instance, in verse 45, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you, until you are destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep His commandments and His statutes which He commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder. Can you imagine things so bad that it's a sign and a wonder? You know, you may have thought about signs and wonders only as good things, and of course that's the kind we want. And there are good signs and good wonders. But this passage says that there are things that are so bad That it's actually causes people to wonder. You know, how in the world could that happen? Or why did that happen? So we don't want this kind of sign, right? We don't want this kind of wonder. And notice he's saying uh, that these curses come upon you. And so that would be bad enough if he just stopped there. We think, well, maybe, you know, you might think if you were writing the Bible, that's adequate. But no, he doesn't stop. He says, because, verse 47. You did not serve the Lord your God with what? Joy and gladness of heart. If there's any part of the curse clinging to you that seems to be so difficult to get it out of your life, you might want to check here. You may be serving. You may be faithful. And that's important and that's, that's wonderful. But God doesn't just want us to show up. (laughs) God wants us to show up and do what we do with joy and gladness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! You will never find a historical revival of great significance to a community, a church, or a part of the country that there weren't manifestations of joy. And that's one of the things that causes people to criticize a move of God and criticize revivals and criticize churches where there is a great presence of God. Because one of the things that carnal people and worldly people cannot seem to get over is the joy thing. There are people who would submit to a solemn lecture... About healing, maybe. Uh, a debate about the second coming. Or any number of Bible topics. But when people begin to do what y'all were doing here tonight. And when you go off script and sing it again. And when somebody dances before the Lord. And, and, and all of those things happen. It just bugs people to no end that are not spiritual, that are carnal. And I don't mean that in some holier-than-thou attitude. I mean, I am nowhere close to perfect. But I do know one thing, that the more I know about God and the more I find out, find out about His Word, the more I want to praise Him. The more important it is to lift our voices... You know, we have been taught this for years and and so I'm not saying anything brand new probably to anybody here tonight. But your voice is your spiritual address. It is the is the individual marker of you in all the vast world of spirit beings. No two voices are exactly alike. I know people can sing in unison and sing the same note and to the to the ear it you know it may it may sound pleasing and be good. But if we had sensitive equipment enough to measure all that, you would find that though everybody thinks they're hitting a C, everybody's going to be just a little different. And when you're in the concert hall or you're in the church sanctuary, you think it sounds unison, and we do our best to make it unison. But it's not. Because in the creation of God, part of your uniqueness... Is your voice. And I would say this, and this is my opinion, but you can agree or disagree. In my opinion, that is the most important of all of the unique features of the human person, is that my voice is not like anybody else's. Your voice is not like anybody else's. And I'm not talking about accents and and uses of grammar. I'm talking about just your voice print. So what that means is that when I'm in my bedroom, my living room, or I'm here at church, or I'm out there in my office, or wherever I am and I lift my voice, it doesn't always have to be real loud. Sometimes it just seems to need to be, but but when I when I use my voice at any level, God zeroes in on that place, that voice. That becomes my spiritual address. You see, I can't see your spirit. You can't see my spirit. I just see the house you live in. That's what your body is. You see my, my house. And um, I can't see your spirit, but I can hear it. Because when your voice speaks, it comes from the abundance of your heart. And so when you hear people complain, criticize, Gripe, or you hear them speak about uh, what they're afraid of or, or they just have a habit of using terms like, I hate this, I hate that. All, you know, all this negativity. You are hearing what's inside their spirit. And Jesus said, it's what comes out of your spirit that will defile you, He said, by your words, you'll either be justified or acquitted, found not guilty, or you will be condemned. You will pass the sentence on yourself, or you will cause yourself to be acquitted, all with your words. Now, most people that know about the new birth process, they don't have a problem believing that that's true in the sense that we believe in our heart and we confess Jesus as Lord with our mouth and we're born again. But what a lot of people don't know is that's just the beginning of the process. Your confessions rule you. The words you speak are dominating your life. They are creating an atmosphere in which you live. If you always talk poverty, you always talk sickness, you always talk about what you're afraid of, two things I want to say about that. Number one, you're, you're in agreement with most of the world. You don't want to be there. Number two, if you do that, you're going to have those things you're saying. You don't want to be there either. And so the, one of the great steps of, uh, of walking, like, for instance, David, the psalmist who wrote Psalm 103 and Psalm 23. If, if you want to walk with a blessed and powerful life, one of the things you've got to learn to do is manifest joy. Manifest joy. And so that means you have to choose to rejoice. Amen? Let's let's look in in the book of Psalms while we're over in the Old Testament. We're in Deuteronomy. Turn over to the book of Psalms, chapter 8, please. Psalm chapter 8 and verse number 2. Now I want to say while I'm turning to Psalm 8 too, I I want to give a little help to you. You're not always going to feel like Being joyful. Joy is a choice. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is an emotion. Emotions come and go, but joy is a constant. But you do have to choose to rejoice. How do you get joy out? By rejoicing. I liken it to this. I've never found a better example. If you've got a better one, I'd like to hear it. I'd use it if it's better. Uh, But it's like drawing water out of a well. You can have water in the ground. You know, there's a well uh, down there where Doug and Regina live. There's a well that's about 55 feet deep, maybe, or 40-something feet deep. I don't know. And um, in over, uh, what, almost 27 years, it's never went dry. And I don't know how many thousands of gallons of water have been pumped out of there. But it's never gone dry. So there's, you know, it's, a, it's a, what they call around here a board well. So it's not got a small six-inch or eight-inch casing. It's a large board well. So there's a lot of water down there. And my whole point here, telling you this, is that you could have perhaps hundreds of gallons of water and still be thirsty if you don't draw the water out. Some way, somehow, you've got to pump it out or you've got to drop a bucket down and draw it out, as we say. Some way, somehow, you've got to get it out. And that's the way joy is. It's in there. God said it was. It's not not based on how you feel at the moment. It's in there, but you have to draw it out. We draw it out by rejoicing. And as I say, sometimes you're going to get up and you're not going to feel like rejoicing. Sometimes you're going to come to church and not feel like rejoicing. And you know how we are. You know, humans are all the same, basically. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, they ought to be glad I showed up. <laughs> I mean, after all, it is raining, you know. There's no sun out today or it's cold or, you know, whatever. And they just ought to be glad I came to church. And they had the nerve to actually want me to get up on my feet And make noise and move around and act like I've got joy. That's exactly right. Because if you will do what joy does, it won't be long until the witness of the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you will be turned into another person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He doesn't even have to have caffeine. Or nicotine, or any of those other eens or whatever. He doesn't have to have that in order for you to be blessed. But you do have the choice to, cho- to ch- choose, rather, to rejoice. Psalm chapter eight and verse number two. The psalmist here. Uh, this also is a psalm of David. Of course, you know David was a, known for his praising. That was one of his strengths, and I'm persuaded that that's one of the reasons that, in spite of his. Gross errors at times and some of the very severe mistakes that he made. I mean, you could argue if it's a mistake, he just, he just did it, flat out did some wrong stuff. But I think one of the keys and reasons why that he was able to uh, uh, get back to God uh, is because he, he knew how to repent. You know, we don't hear much preaching about repenting today. That's not a popular subject, but it's biblical. You know, when David's... Uh, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed to try to cover all this up. She was pregnant with David's child and her husband Uriah was killed. David was, in the sight of God, was guilty of murder. He brought her into the palace and she had the child. And you know the story if you've read it. The baby died. But before the child died, he was sick for a number of days. And David, you know, was in a horrible place. And in seeking God and repenting, and he fasted and prayed and laid before the Lord in sackcloth. He was, he was distraught. And you know the story, the child died. And it's really, really telling to me about the character and who David really was that when his servants were kind of walking softly because they didn't want to tell him that this baby had died nobody wanted to be the person that told him and finally he noticed that they were acting weird and so he he asked and they told him yes the child has died and you know what David did the Bible says now this is a paraphrase I mean my paraphrase so you, you can read the story when he found out He said, well, the child cannot come to me, but I can go to the child. He went and bathed himself. He put on his clothes and went to church. You see, there is something about worshiping God in the house of the Lord that brings the presence of God into your life in a tangible way. And when a bunch of people do that, It creates an atmosphere for the glory of God to come down. And in that atmosphere, powerful things happen. Powerful. Oh, glory to God. And so he wrote these words in in Psalm 8. I'll read verses 1 and 2. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants... You have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. So in this passage, David writes that out of the mouth of babes and infants, nursing infants, God ordained strength because of the enemy and to shut the devil up. You want to know what shuts up the devil? Now, I know the devil is persistent, and I know he's always yapping and yipping and talking. He's like an aggravating dog that never stops barking. You know, if there's anything that will try the patience of the saints, it's a dog that won't shut up. But anyway, that's another story for another day. But, so the devil is kind of like that. He's always got something to say, you know. You wake up at 2.30 a.m., and if... And if you're quiet long enough and you don't start the conversation to go the way you want it to go, guess who wants to start one? The devil. He wants to say, you know, why did you wake up? Something wrong with you? Feel yourself. Check yourself. You know. I mean, you know what, how the devil does. I don't know why we fall into any trap from him because he doesn't have any new traps. And he does the same crazy stuff to all of us. Because when I talk about this, everybody laughs because they know what I'm talking about. So the next time he tries any of that foolishness, just roll over and go to sleep. He's a liar. You're not dying. You need some sleep. Amen. So David says, there's something that come out of your mouth that will shut the devil up and will produce strength. Now think about that. We're not going to be too much longer. I know I've ran over a little bit. I'm sorry, but I'm having too much fun. Uh, but there's, he said there's something that comes out of the mouth, even of a child, that produces strength and will shut up the devil. So that's pretty good stuff. Now, let's go over to the book of Matthew, chapter 21. And in this passage, we will see that Jesus actually quotes this verse. Jesus himself, no less than Jesus the Christ, quotes this passage. And he gives what we, I think, all would agree is perfect Holy Ghost translation. Because you're going to see a couple of different words. Because Jesus basically explains what Psalm 8:2 is about. And, of course, the story here is people are... Um, they are... Uh, you know this is Palm Sunday, as we call it. He's come into Jerusalem. They're saying Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, and so forth and so on. And of course, the the elders, the uh, Pharisees, and so forth they the chief priests they didn't like this. And it says in verse fifteen, but when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. Have you ever seen religious indignancy, if that's a word? Have you ever seen any indignant religious people? You know that? Well, I never. No, that's what's wrong with you. You never. That is exactly your problem. And they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? In other words, they just were appalled. And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? And then he quotes from Psalm 8:2. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected what? Praise. Praise releases strength, praise shuts the devil up. One thing about a human, and it's true of every human, no exceptions. You can only listen to intelligently and pay attention to one voice at a time. If I were here saying what I'm saying, another man was standing over here with the same amplification in his voice, same volume level, he was saying something different. Another man over here, same thing, saying something totally different. Wouldn't it be impossible to know anything that's said unless... You focused in only one of those voices. That's what you do at every wedding reception. That's what you do at every graduation ceremony. That's what you're going to do when church is over tonight. You can't listen to every conversation. You can only do one at a time. And that's why praise shuts the devil up. Because you cannot listen to the devil and listen to yourself praise God at the same time. And so the more the devil talks, the more you need to praise. The more he yells and the more he carries on, the more radical you need to get with your praise. Amen? And you can shut him up. And so no wonder David said, we've got, still not past the first five verses. But no wonder he said, bless, affectionately, gratefully, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, I I was wanting to get to the, oh, my soul part. We'll do that maybe next week. But uh, you just have to tell yourself how it's going to be. Don't let the devil run the train. Don't let him drive the agenda. Don't let him ride along with you. You know, if you let the devil ride pretty soon, he'll want to drive. He's got an agenda. He's got his own map. He's got his own plan. And it's not for your good. It's only to steal and kill and destroy. You've got to take the initiative. And sometimes you just have to take your soul, as we might say, by the ears and say, you're going to think what God said. And, and, and the only way sometimes you can do that is got to say it. And when you say it with an attitude of joy and praise, when you say it with a song, when you say it with a voice lifted in praise to God as a believer, then you are, in effect, shutting the devil up. And faith flows in power. Hallelujah. So this is really, really important stuff. Praise the Lord. But I've said enough. So Glenna, come please.